message as short as your drive to work. TheSpeakinDeacon.com It's a pleasure really again to be with you and... Uh, <laughs> I thought he said we were start. I was starting at quarter to eleven. <laughs> That's right. We can show him you up. I want you to consider this. Last night, Jeff asked me what I was what I was going to preach on. And I said the greatness of God. He goes, "Wow, that's a broad subject." And I thought, "Okay, did I go the wrong way?" But uh, I'm still going to preach on the greatness of God. And uh, let me ask this question: When was the last time? That you were gripped by the greatness of God. When's the last time that you were gripped by the greatness of God? We talk about the fact of our feeling close to God. We talk about the fact of God being near us. Uh, but we're not talking about this. That We're talking about the largeness of God. We're talking about the awesomeness of God. And we're talking about just that great aspect of God. You know, when you're in ministry or just life in general... When, when we consider all that's in our hearts and lives, when we consider that, sometimes we get away from God ourselves. And sometimes we draw away from Him, and sometimes we just get so caught up in everything that we're doing that we forget that we belong to God and we should walk with God. And we get so caught up mechanically and routinely with all the things that we do and say that sometimes we can even have a day or two days or three days, and sometimes a week, and sometimes a month, where we go through the role, especially on Sundays, of worshiping God, but the other six days we kind of forget, and we don't think about God, and we don't pray, and we go through a whole lot of aspects. I'd like you to turn in, have you turn to the book of Isaiah, Isaiah chapter 40. Now don't panic, we're not going to read the whole thing, but we're going to look at the whole thing. How's that? We're not going to necessarily read all of it, but we're going to look at it. And what I want us to see firstly is this. The preparation for the ascent, the climb, or climbing up to the mountain of greatness. To the mountain of greatness. The very first verse, God says, Comfort ye, comfort ye my people, that saith God. He's telling us right off the bat, God wants to comfort us. God wants to take care of us. God wants to bless us. He wants to comfort us from the problems we face, from the difficulties that happen within our lives each and every single day, to the things that pop in. Now, I did, I did something that, honestly, um, I kept telling our people, and, you know, and Sean kept telling our people, I said, you have to be flexible. You have to be flexible. You have to be flexible on this mission strip. We turned off of Route 9. Well, we were at that intersection of Route 29 and Route 9, and we went down Route 9. And at that point, I realized that I left every single piece of music back at the motel. And all the stuff that we were going to sing off of. And I knew Debbie left her music here. My wife said, why would you bring it back home, back here anyway? And, and I totally forgot. I didn't even think about it. I put it last night, so I put it right here so I can remember. Never thought about it this morning until we were there. And I thought, I got out of the car, looked at Debbie. I said, Debbie, we got to be flexible. She goes, what, was your driving pretty bad coming down? They let, they let me drive. They even gave me a Mennonite hat. A black hat. I mean, I was driving a black van, so I had to look like a Mennonite from Pennsylvania. So, I, 
That's right, they don't drive, do they? <laughs> well, wait a minute. Yes, there is. There's black, butter, black bumper Mennonite, we used to call them. So, I, you know, I, got it. I said, no, no, I did something worse than that. I left all the music back, home, back at the motel. And then I'm trying to think, well, who has the neatest handwriting? Who can write all this out in the half, half, half hour? I checked with Barb. Barb checked with Michelle. And, you know, and finally, Sean had an iPad or whatever that was he had. And all the music was right there. The only problem is my eyes dry out. And I'm looking. And I'm trying to, if, if you knew the song, you'd know I messed up. But uh, I just don't see all the time. But, but, you know, you have to be flexible. And sometimes we're in the midst of our lives, we're not. Verse 3 talks about the voice of him that crieth in the wilderness, prepare you the way of the Lord, straight in the desert of the highway. He says sometimes, you know, and I know there's other ways we can look at this, but look at it this way. Sometimes you have to clear the way out. Sometimes you have to take everything out of your life. Sometimes you have to part all that to let God work in your heart and life and to, and to comfort you. And to let God reveal his glory to you so that you see his glory. Has there been a time in your life when you saw the glory of God? I'm sure somewhere in all of our lives there has been. But how often? I think the greatest miracles that there are, besides the miracles that were in the Old Testament and the miracles of the New Testament, for you and I, the greatest miracle that can ever happen is what? Somebody comes to the same knowledge of Jesus Christ. That's the greatest miracle. And, and, you know, and it happens. But in verse 6, he says, you know, the voice, they cry out. He said, what shall I cry? And, you know, sometimes we, we get to that point and we realize in our lives and we say, God, these are sinful lips. I'm, I sin. I, I commit sin. Fortunately, God is a, a, a loving and forgiving God. And when we repent of our sin and turn to him, he forgives us of our sin. But we're not always that way sometimes. Sometimes we forget and, and we need to cry out and uh, to God and realize that like all, the, all flesh is, uh, is grass and all the good, goodliness thereof is as the flower of the field. The grass withereth, the flower fadeth upon the spirit of the Lord, bloweth upon it surely. The people is as grass. And we are reminded again of how great God is compared to how little we are. How awesome he is compared to what we are as people. I want you to see secondly this, that the heart of the person we are trying to meet on that mountain of greatness. Look at verse 9, if you will. O Zion that brings good tidings, get thee up into the high mountain. O Jerusalem that bringeth good tidings, let it be... Let it be, and not afraid, and say unto the cities of Judah, Behold your God. Behold, the Lord God will come with strong hand, and his arm shall rule with him. Behold, the reward is with him, and with his work before him. Before we read verse 11, in one way we can say there's two types and two ways to look at God. There's a type of that God is almighty, and God in the Old Testament oftentimes came across as a God that punished people for their sins and, and, and that a lot of people in, 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 that are unsaved will often say, well, if God is such a loving God, why were so many wars? Why were so many did he, did he punish and put to death so many people? Uh, we had a couple of girls up in our, in our youth group when we were church planning uh, that came from a, a, a different background. Their mother drilled in that. If you did not go to church, 
God was going to do something bad to you. God was going to punish you. All right? she, and she just drilled that in. So in their minds, God was a horrible person. God was a horrible God. All right? But God is a just God and a holy God. And he hates sin. So, when he, so there is that aspect that he's just. He's just and righteous. But look at verse 11. There's another side to God. He shall feed his flock like a shepherd, and he shall gather in his lambs with, with his arms, carry them with his bosom, and shall gently lead those that are with Yah. It's the shepherd. It's the comforter. It's the God who is able to just come alongside of you and put his arm around you and say, it's going to be all right. We worship God. And probably there are some people that only see him as a God of righteous and anger. And there's other people that see him as the great shepherd and forget about his justice. We need to put the two of them together and realize that God is both just, but God is also loving and caring. And he cares about each and every single one of us. And that's important for all of us to, to, to come across as we look at that. He presents him as that shepherd, that loving individual that comes around and puts his loving arms around each and every single one of us. But I love the verses from 12 down through verse 26 and to the end of the chapter. As you make the ascent up onto that mountain, as you come, you see the greatness of God. Verse 12 says, Who hath measured the waters in the hollowest hands? Alright, if you can balance your Bible on your lap, take your hands and put them together. Cup your hands. How much water do you think you can hold in there? Some of us have leaky hands. Alright? Water goes right through the fingers. I looked this up this morning, and I didn't even know there was a figure. But there are 326 million trillion gallons of water on the earth. That's 326 and then six sets of three zeros. How's that? I didn't even know million trillions were the word. I guess between David and, and Doug, they would probably understand a little bit better than I do. But that's a lot of water. And God measures them in the hollow of his hand. You see the greatness of God? How great that is? That he can measure, measure the water that's in our oceans. Look what he says secondly. And he's meted out the heaven with a span. Alright? I know what mine is. Take your hand and spread it out. Alright? From the tip of your pinky to the, how far it goes. Wow. Mine grew. <laughs> used to be eight and a half. I'm up to eight and three quarters now. <laughs> but that is a span. That's a span. All right. God measures, God measures the, the, the sky, the heaven, with the span of his hands. Well, if he can hold all that water, he can definitely measure the, the span, uh, the, the, the sky with his hands as well. And, he, and think of, again, the greatness of God. When he's meted out this, the, that aspect, comprehend the dust of the earth in a measure. You know, I, I grew up on Long Island, so we oftentimes went down to what we call Jones Beach, Lido Beach, Long Beach on the south shore of Long Island. We always went swimming down there. We always played in the sand. 
tons of sand, little tiny specks of sand. So I thought, you know, along those lines, um, I was going to see bring some sand with me, but just think of it this way. Some of you can understand a, a cubic yard of sand or just dirt. Say you had to move that, but the only thing you can move it with is a measuring cup. That's a, that's a long time. But you know, it says right there that God can comprehend the dust of the earth in a measure. In a measure. He can grip all that. He can think about it. He can, he can move that without any difficulty. In the process of all that, he goes on to say, he measures the mountains and the scales, the old balances, one on either side. He can measure the Alps. He can measure the Rockies. He can measure the, the mountains of West Virginia. He can, he, can, he can weigh that all without great difficulty. And he knows how much each of that weighs. And, he, and he's just reminding us here constantly of what he is capable of doing. And when God directed the Spirit of the Lord, it, became, it being his counsel, all that is so vital in everything that we do. It, and just, it just points to the awesomeness and the greatness of our God. To be able to hold the water, to measure the spans of the earth, to hold the dust, to know what's there, and, and just that great aspect. And he, he uh, reminds us in verse 13 and 14 of his counsel. When and whom took he counsel and who instructed him? And what he's saying here to be like, well, Pastor Jeff, I have an idea what I'd like to do on earth. What do you think about it? Can you imagine God coming to us and asking us our, 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 our point of view? Does God do that? Or maybe he, maybe he looks and says, that was a good idea, Pastor Bob. Pastor Bob. That's, that's an awesome idea. I never thought of that. God doesn't take our counsel, does he? God gives counsel. We're, we're just people that he has created. He doesn't come to us, as, as he says in verses 13 and 14. With whom did he take counsel? Who instructed him? Who taught him in the paths of judgment? Taught him knowledge, showed him the way of understanding. And nobody did. Absolutely nobody. And we're reminded of that again, that greatness. Look at verse 15. Behold, the nations are a drop in a bucket. Yep, it's in there. Hi. Name me some nations or empires. Quickly, I'm dropping one. Russia. Russia. China. A drop in the bucket. China. A drop in the bucket. How about the ones in the New Testament? Greece. Rome. Germany. The great English empires. The United States. To God, they're just a drop in the bucket. To us, they're one. We look at them as being awesome. We look at them as being great, great nations. Okay? We think of that because we're so finite. We don't realize. But to God, they're a drop. They're just a drop in a bucket, and that's all there is to it. 
You know, we look at all this from our eyesight, from our thinking, from our realm of living. To us, you know, we think of the great Roman Empire. We think of the United States and how, how awesome and great it has been for well over 200 years. And we think of past empires and nations that, that just are, are uh, nations that controlled and ruled, but to God, they're what? Absolutely nothing, just a drop in the bucket in the passing of time. And we sometimes forget about that. Verse uh, 19, the workman melteth a graven image, and the goldsmith spread it over with gold and cast silver. And basically what he's saying here is that you have... Uh, well, jump to, back to 18. To whom hath he likened God? He likened, What likens he... Uh, will you compare him to? Who are you going to compare God to? Well, you get the goldsmith, you get the silversmith, you get him to bang out some metal, and he makes a God. He says to his wife, I'll be late for dinner. I have to make God today, tonight. You know, And, and it's pretty much the way they did it back then. Or you take sometimes maybe perhaps somebody that can't afford a gold idol or a silver idol, they have to build theirs with wood. And the same thing, the craftsman designs God. But did anybody design God? Absolutely not. And we try sometimes, we try to craven God into an image. Now we don't necessarily worship idols today in that capacity, but we sure put a whole lot of things in front of God that we possess, that we, are, you know, and it's not just possessions. Sometimes it's our job. Sometimes it's our hobbies. Sometimes it's just the fact that we want our own independence in our own lives. And in that aspect, we just we just look at it and we just say, you know, I'm just going along and this is what I'm doing and I'm the God of my life. And then in verse 21, God speaks. God speaks. And says, have you not known and have you not heard? Hath it not been told to you from the beginning? Have you not understood from the foundations of the earth? It is he that sitteth upon the circle of the earth and the inhabitants thereof as grasshoppers and stretched out the heavens as a curtain and spreadeth them out as a tent to dwell in that bringeth the princes to nothing that maketh the judges of the earth as vanity. Yea, they shall not be planted. Yea, they shall not be sown. Yea, they shall st- uh, the stock shall not take root in the earth and he shall also blow upon them. Them, and they shall wither, and whirlwind shall take them away as stubble. To whom then will you liken me, or shall I be equal with, said the Holy One. You know, he's, he just, God finally says, listen, you can't compare me to anybody. I am God, God Almighty, the great God, the awesome God. And I don't know if you guys caught this, but in verse 22, where is the Lord God sitting? On the circle of the earth. 22,000 years before Christopher Columbus sailed the ocean blue to discover America in some sense and discovered the fact that the earth had to be round, while scientists were still saying the world was flat, Isaiah wrote that God sitteth upon the circle of the earth. 
And basically he's telling us the earth was round. Way before anybody discovered it. And even when scientists looked at it, even back then, still thought it was flat, God says, hey, it's round. It's round. And that's, you know, the inhabitants of the earth. He's sitting upon there and he's looking down on us, you know. As a kid, I used to like to watch ants. I used to like to watch them run around, you know, and and uh, we used to have a slate walk in the backyard. And I used to pick up the slate, and then you could see the little grooves of their little tunnels underneath the slate, and you could watch them run through there. It's really cool. I felt like a giant, though, even as a kid, you know. Here's these little tiny things running around, and here I am standing over the top of them, thinking, man, I could control your whole life if I wanted to. Yeah, and you know what? God's doing exactly the same thing. He's sitting upon the circle of the earth, and he's looking down at us as what? Grasshoppers. Just insects. Just individuals. It's not nece- he's not necessarily demeaning us. He's just saying, hey, get the picture. I am God. I am great and awesome. And you, we need to grasp that, and we need to see that. He talks about the rulers. Rulers as nothing. You know... Caesar supposedly was a great ruler. Alexander the Great, Napoleon, some people would throw Hitler in there, some people would throw Lincoln in there, Victoria the First. Just think of all the great rulers of the earth. And yet in God's eyes, they were absolutely nothing. In our time frame, we look at them and we look at some of our presidents in Washington and Roosevelt and some of these other ones and some of the recent ones. We look at them and say, yeah, they're great. You know, they're, 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 they've done a great job. And we sometimes compare them to one another. When we look at uh, Queen Elizabeth, uh, who, you know, is, has lived 90 years and has reigned for a long time. And probably when she passes away, she'll go down in history as one of the greatest rulers of England, you know. But in the eyes of God, she's what? Nothing. Nothing. Because there's only one person that's great. There's only one individual and one God that is great like that. Verse uh, 28, he goes on to say, Hast thou not known and hast thou not heard that the everlasting God, the Lord, creator of the heavens and the earth, fainteth not and neither wearies? There is no searching of his understanding. And as we look at this, you know, we, we are reminded of who he is. When uh, our youngest son, we had we had four children that grew up in New York with us. Our youngest son played uh, travel basketball, you know. That's where you had to travel all over the place and out of state half the time. And uh, we ended up going to, uh, we lived on, I, just off of I-84, outside of Danbury, Connecticut, but we lived in New York, okay? Um, we went to a place called Woodland Commons. It was on the other side of the Hudson River, uh, just near West Point. And we went there, and uh, it was one of those Saturdays that they had these tournaments, and you end up t- packing your lunch and taking everything with you, and pretty much from 9 o'clock in the morning till 3 o'clock, 4 o'clock, 5 o'clock, 6 o'clock in the afternoon, they played one game after the other. And we did that for a couple of years with him. And I went outside and I sat in the car and it was overlooking a, a, a four-lane highway and then it overlooked the New York Thruway. And as I'm sitting there, all of a sudden I saw black SUVs. Several of them. I saw New York State trooper cars. And they're blocking the intersections. And I couldn't figure out what in the world was going on. 
until I saw this motorcade come down through, off of the New York Thruway, and down onto the main road. It was President Bush going to the graduation of the West Point cadets because he was speaking there. And I thought, I could have waved, but his windows were tinted and I was way too far away, but I'm thinking, I saw his motorcade. I thought, that was an awesome thing just to see a motorcade. You know, and I, I thought, you know, he's in there someplace. I have no idea which car he's in, but he's in there. You know, we think of the greatness of these individuals. But you know what? He's an ordinary man, isn't he? That's right. And I thought this morning when I was reviewing this, and I thought of, uh, of the elections coming up, our, our presidents, in one sense of the term, in one sense of the idea, only have four or eight years of greatness. And then pretty much they go by the wayside. Pretty much we remember them, but where is the greatness? You know, we look at it, their lives and we still hear about them, but after their term in office, we kind of just push them to the side. They're in retirement. They're, you know, uh, we don't consider that aspect anymore. And yet God is, is a great God and an awesome God and a wonderful God. And he reminds us in the midst of all this that he's a loving, caring God. And he, we ascend unto him, and in verse uh, 29 he said, He gives power to the faint, and to them that have no might, he increaseth the strength. Even the youth shall faint and be weary, and the young men shall utterly fail. But when they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength, they shall mount up with wings as eagles, they shall run and not be weary, and they shall walk and not faint. And we're reminded here that even though God is a great God and an awesome God, and the largeness of God is something that we probably cannot fathom, He's a God that loves you. And He's a God that cares about you. And He's a God that knows every aspect and concern in your heart and your life, even at this very moment as you're sitting here. He reminds us of the fact that, yes, I'm the creator of the world, and I created you. But I love you, and I care for you. And as one of my children, I'm going to take care of you. And though you grow weary, I never grow weary. And though you grow tired, I never grow tired. He says, I'm always awake. I'm always alert. I'm always there. He said, I'll never leave you nor forsake you. I'll never turn my back on you. I'll always love you. Because you're my child. You're my child. And when we think about that, and we think of the fact that, you know, he's, he's an awesome God. He's the great God of this world and this universe. And yet, he cares for each and every single one of us in a great and awesome way. You and I need, in so many ways, to trust him more and more each day. You and I need to rely upon him and just be reminded of who he is. You look up into the sky... Remember that he can measure the whole thing with a span. Next time you go to cup your hands, remember that he can hold all that water in his hands. Every aspect. I was supposed to have a basketball and be able to pump, but I can't pump it. I think David could probably still pump it. But, you know, he can actually hold the whole world, the whole universe in his hands. Just with one hand. You know, and, and it's just, it's an awesome Experience an expression for us to remember that the greatness of God is what we need to experience. To be reminded each and every day that no matter what happens, 
no matter what sudden detail comes into our life, that phone call that comes and that changes everything, that, that uh, walking into a, a job situation and getting a pink slip that changes everything, that uh, the, the rebelliousness of, of children sometimes, uh, friends that seem to disappoint you, things that happen, he knows it all. And he says, I'm going to comfort you. I'm going to take care of you. I know what's going on. I know what's happening. And lovingly, he puts his arms around us. And he says, I'm going to cause you to, to have a renewed strength and to mount up with wings as eagles and run and not be weary and walk and not faint. God is great and God is awesome. You know, when I used this once before, and, I, and I'm one that uses this word, I kind of reflect on the fact that the word awesome should only be used in reference to God and nobody else. Isn't that true? We talk about basketball players. We talk about Ali, you know, the, the greatest, you know. It, he, de- he doesn't really deserve that. God's the only one that's great. But when it comes to that awesomeness, God is the only one. It is truly awesome. Father God, we thank you so much for your word. Thank you for this portion of scripture. Thank you, Father, for showing us your greatness. And Lord, we each pray this morning that you'd show us your greatness. That you would reveal that to us in some miraculous way, Father, throughout this week. We are trusting you, relying upon you for so many different things in all of our lives. And we need to realize, Father, that you have created this all. We are just a drop in the bucket like everything else, except for the fact that those who have put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ have a God who created them and also loves them and also cares for us and who also will not let us fall, but will lovingly encourage us and lovingly put his arms around us and help us through each and every single day. Thank you, Father, for allowing us to be here this morning to be an encouragement to these people, but for them to be an encouragement to us. May we be a blessing. Make us a blessing to Paul Paul. Make us a blessing in our homes. Make us a blessing at work to be challenging people, Lord, with the greatness of God and his love for them. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. There's some food for thought. Please visit thespeakandeacon.com and get connected to the growing number of social media Christians. Thespeakandeacon.com. Truth is here.